I'm Tom Tate, and this is the Power Time Podcast. Don't call it a comeback. What's up, Power Player? Welcome back to the Power Time Podcast. This is an audio program for gamers of all ages. My name is Tom Tate. I am your host and guide taking you on a journey through the history of Nintendo, one issue of Nintendo Power Magazine at a time. Join me as we travel back in time to soak in the magazine, the memories, the music, and much more from the NES and Super NES days. So if you've been listening to the show, let's just... Let's just address the elephant in the room. If you've been listening to this show in real time, you may have noticed that I completely fell off the planet for the past three, four, maybe five months. I, I totally apologize to any loyal listeners out there. I actually had a lot of people contact me in this uh, unexpected hiatus, people asking, hey, are you still alive? People asking, when is the show coming back? Uh, a lot of people uh, generally giving me good feedback too, so I appreciate that. I actually received a recent iTunes review, even though I haven't been uh, recording episodes, so I just want to thank Mitchie Powell from Canada who said, if you like VG history or history in general, give it a go. And he gave me a five-star review. So thank you to Mitchie Powell. Uh, it was not my intention to disappear. I just want to be upfront. Uh, I've been dealing with all sorts of life stuff, uh, none of it uh, bad or anything, just because you know I have three kids, I have two jobs, uh, all this good stuff. Uh, but sometimes the podcast uh, just had to take a back seat. Uh, and uh, I've made the choice to do that. If you could see on uh, Twitter right now, I actually just posted a picture of my new recording setup. I used to be in a nice back room that was quiet. It was kind of uh, not soundproofed, uh, but it had good acoustics, uh, if you will. And uh, now I'm at my dining room table, posted a picture. I have two baby monitors, one on the left and one on the right, uh, and a nice cup of coffee. So I'm ready to go. I'm back. I'm super pumped uh, to be back. I'm going to be recording this episode, and uh, I'm going to try to keep this going as long as I can. Uh, my semester of teaching has wrapped up, so really now it's just my full-time nine-to-five job that's taking a lot of my attention. Uh, but I have full intentions of continuing our trip down Nintendo Power memory lane. So we're going to jump right back into it. We're going to go right back where we left off. Uh, we have the August 1991 issue of Nintendo Power, uh, and this features Mega Man Dr. Wily's Revenge. And Dr. Wily's Revenge uh, was a Game Boy title. It was the first Game Boy Mega Man title that was released. And before we get going, I just want to give a couple of shout outs. Uh, I want to shout out to... Uh, Jesse, who was one of the patrons on Patreon, I actually shut down Patreon because I knew I wouldn't be publishing content, didn't feel right uh, to charge anybody. So uh, maybe I'll bring that back. I'm not too sure, but I want to give a shout out to Jesse, uh, shout out to the whole crew at New Game Plus. So New Game Plus is a podcast that I actually edit 
on a weekly basis. And it's a retro video game podcast. If you want to check that out, I'll have a link in the sh- uh, show notes. They have an awesome community. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Bill in that community who kind of pushed me to keep recording as well. Uh, I want to give a shout out uh, to my friend Matt uh, who pushed me. Uh, I also want to give a shout out uh, to a friend on Discord. His name is Kid. Curdy. And Kid uh, went through the whole backlog of episodes and he kept pushing me to come back too. So I want to say thanks to Kid Curdy. I want to say thanks to fellow podcaster Run, Jump, Stomp. Uh, I will have a link to his podcast, Switchcraft, in the show notes. Uh, I've been a loyal listener of that show and he actually had me on one of, uh, uh, not a recent episode, but not too long ago, talking about my most anticipated non-Nintendo games coming out on Switch. Um, so great, great show to listen to runjumpstomp.com. Uh, but enough with the shout outs. We have an episode to record and one of these babies might wake up. So let's uh, let's try to get some progress here. So we'll start this episode just like we do every episode by looking at the cover of volume 27 of Nintendo Power. Now this, of course, like the previous Mega Man covers we looked at, it has that weird claymation style where it looks like somebody kind of created a diorama of uh, of characters based on you know a clay sculpture uh, but the the hair is really realistic in Dr. Wily so we see Dr. Wily in this UFO uh, type of tank contraption uh, we have a couple enemies as well Mega Man is nowhere to be found and I think that makes sense because the game is Dr. Wily's revenge uh, but we do see Dr. Wily, who's bald on top, but he's got this weird hair coming out. Uh, the lighting on this actually looks pretty cool. So the lighting effects on this issue uh, cover looks uh, look pretty awesome. And you can Google Nintendo Power Volume 27 or check the show notes and you will see uh, what I'm looking at right now. So the, the title of the game, Mega Man in Dr. Wily's Revenge, it says it is a Game Boy Mega Hit. But I will be the judge of that as we go through this issue. Series updates, we have Dragon Warrior 2 and 3, and we have Ninja Gaiden 3 as well. Super NES previews, Act Razor, Super Mario World, and Gradius 3. So just to catch up, uh, we are nearing the release of Super Nintendo. We are in uh, 1991, uh, so this is August of 1991. We are so close, uh, and we'll be talking about that in a couple of episodes from now. But that pretty much wraps it up. Still $3.50 in the US and $4.50 in Canada. Still the source for news and strategies straight from the pros. And no doubt there's the official Nintendo seal of quality on this cover. So if you flip open the magazine, there's a sweet new ad, Super 90s. It says power to the player, join the power underground uh, for $15.00. Yeah, so this is a one-year renewal deal for $15, and you get an awesome Power Underground t-shirt. I'm sure someone somewhere has one of those t-shirts in their closet, uh, and I would love to meet that person. Up next, we have Powerline, and Powerline is kind of an introduction to what's going to be in this issue. Uh, A bit of a note from the editor, we have a reveal here that They will be giving away a phone booth from Bill and Ted. So my first question there is why, uh, but we'll find out soon enough, I'm sure. There is a request for Game Boy designs for a customized Game Boy. That's pretty cool. There's an image here of a Game Boy with uh, red sports car paint on it. So possibly this is a precursor to the color designs that we'll see in the future with the uh, Game Boy Pocket and the Game Boy Color. Uh, Note here about the CES uh, computer entertainment show wrap up. So I guess that was the summer CES of 1991. 
Ninja Gaiden 3, Dragon Warrior Reviews, more Super NES content, uh, and Mega Man isn't even mentioned here uh, in Powerline, which is which is strange uh, because it's on the cover. The table of contents, uh, turning the page here, we have Darkman, Final Fantasy Legend 2, World of Nintendo, and a few other interesting items. So without delay, let's check out this issue's featured game. A desperate chase. A brutal betrayal. Irene, dead? Ryu, the killer? Some evil mastermind must be at work. Begin uncovering the sinister plot by investigating Irene's last mission, codenamed Cardinal. This is Mega Man, Dr. Wily's revenge. I mean, this is Ninja Gaiden 3, the ancient ship of doom. Yes, as the host of this podcast, my friends, it is my duty to oftentimes make editorial executive decisions to provide you with the very best contents. And because I take my job seriously, and this is my first episode back in a really long time, I've decided to dedicate the lion's share of this episode to a much better game. The featured NES title of Volume 27. And I'm sorry to do it, but Mega Man on Game Boy is not only my least favorite Mega Man uh, rendition or variation of Mega Man, uh, but also it is one of my least favorite video games, period. So Mega Man Dr. Wily's Revenge is one of my least favorite games, and I have played it recently. So if you hate me for doing this, uh, please don't unsubscribe uh, or leave me a one-star review. I I promise we will cover Mega Man Dr. Wily's Revenge a bit in this episode, but I cannot dedicate the lion's share to this terrible, terrible game. So we're going to be talking about Ninja Gaiden 3. Uh, Before we jump in, we listen to a track from that game. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about Ninja Gaiden 3 as it was reviewed in Nintendo Power. So in the Game Pack data box, where you learn a bit about the game, we see that it was published by Tecmo, leveraged the MMC3 memory chip. Uh, The score here, power meter, uh, graphics and sound received a 4.1, play control 4.3, challenge and and fun uh, 4.1, and then or challenge and uh, lasting impression 4.1, and then theme and fun 3.9. So it did really well. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good score for Nintendo Power. Uh, we have a short description here. Uh, Ninja Gaiden 3, The Ancient Ship of Doom is Tecmo's third ninja action thriller based on the hit arcade game. Although rumor has it that this is Ryu's last appearance, at least he goes out with a bang. The action is nonstop with some great new moves, like being able to grab hold of bars and swing up onto platforms from below. So of course, uh, the menacing story told in cinema scenes ties each of the seven stages of the gameplay together. I'm really excited to talk about this game. The coverage begins with introducing and reintroducing some of the power-ups that Ryu can pick up 
to charge his abilities and his dragon sword. So those abilities are uh, ninja stars, fire wheels, the down blast, uh, the health pickups, the one-ups. I'm sure if you've played any Ninja Gaiden, you remember these items. Uh, the artwork here in Nintendo Power, the illustrations in this section are really, really phenomenal. Uh, very Japanese in style, of course, uh, but I'm really, really impressed by the artwork and I'm impressed by uh, the actual graphics of the game. Uh, really, really fantastic feat uh, in, in graphical quality in this particular game. Uh, Ninja Gaiden 3's coverage continues by walking us through Act 1 through Act 7. So we get a full kind of walkthrough of this uh, as we discussed in Episode 5 where we covered the original Ninja Gaiden. There's a cinema style to this game where they leverage uh, movie-like cutscenes to tell a very engaging story between the gameplay levels. Uh, and this game is no different. So the levels in Ninja Gaiden 3, it kind of takes you... Uh, they take you all over the place. So Act 1 introduces us to a secret lab full of biological experiments and a boss, I love this, a boss named Dr. Flame. So you get to fight Dr. Flame in Act 1. In Act 2, we are taken to a desert where there's quicksand as kind of a challenge that you have to overcome uh, and deep lava caves. And this act culminates with a boss encounter with the Gorgon, which is a flying mutant. In Act 3, uh, this is called The Tunnel. This takes us to the Amazon, where we encounter another mutant boss, the Mutant Twins. In Act 4, uh, is the you're at the foundation of Castle Rock Fortress. It takes you to kind of a castle. Act 5, we find ourselves at the entrance to the fortress. You meet some interesting characters that kind of move the plot along. They give away a little bit in this uh, magazine, but not too much. In Act 6, we are taken to a subspace dimension, which totally figures because you can see this game is kind of taking a sci-fi type of spin. Uh, but yeah, in video games, you can do anything. So Act 6, subspace dimension. Act 7, the final chapter. This takes place on the ancient ship of doom, which this game gets its name from. And uh, it's, it's not really a spoiler here uh, because the game is obviously named that, uh, but Act 7 takes place on this ancient ship. Uh, and then that's the finale of the game. So we're going to listen to one more quick track, and then we will talk about the history of Ninja Gaiden 3. So this game was developed and published by Tecmo, as I mentioned, uh, with one major shift in the staff. So we'll talk a little bit about the history of the game. Ninja Gaiden 3 was directed by Masato Kato. And I apologize for all Japanese pronunciation from me on this show. Uh, but he took over from Hideo Yoshizawa, who was the director of Ninja Gaiden 1 and 2. 
So kind of the the main uh, director for the first two games uh, stepped away from this particular uh, entry in the series and Kato took over. So Kato was not new to the series. He worked on Ninja Gaiden 1 and 2 uh, and he would later go on to do some pretty awesome things. Uh, so he would be a writer for Chrono Trigger. You've all heard of Chrono Trigger, I'm sure. Final Fantasy 7. Uh, so he ended up working uh, on the Square staff of, of Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy VII, Xenogears, uh, which is definitely applauded uh, for its writing and for its its plot, and Chrono Cross, uh, which is the sequel to Chrono Trigger. Um, so he uh, definitely had some success with Ninja Gaiden 3, but he had major success moving forward. Uh, this game, uh, as well, it kind of shifts slightly with this change. So with this personnel change, you can kind of feel the game shift as well. Instead of the traditional uh, demons and thugs and monsters as enemies, we end up with more uh, machines and mutants. So it kind of has this sci-fi feel to it. It's just different. It just feels different. Gameplay feels familiar, uh, but the the story and the theme and the enemies, everything kind of shifts a little bit. Uh, the U.S. version ended up being more difficult than the Japanese version by most accounts. Uh, you do not have a password system and you have limited continues. Uh, so you definitely need skill to get through this game. You have to be good at Ninja Gaiden uh, and you have to continue to practice and work up towards it. I absolutely loved this game as a kid. I remember renting it frequently and appreciating the challenge. Uh, it was always nice to rent a game that gave you extended playtime. Nothing was worse uh, back in the day than renting a title and then you beat it in 25 minutes or 40 minutes and then you're stuck with it for the whole weekend. And if it didn't have that extended playability, you, you were just stuck. I mean, you couldn't bring it back to the, to the, uh, to the video store, right? Uh, so one thing to note about Ninja Gaiden 3 is that it was pitched as the final game. So I was surprised to read that in, in this particular issue that they already decided that it was going to be the final game in a trilogy. And it is very strange to me knowing that you know Tecmo was familiar with the Super Nintendo. Uh, they were continuing to put out games. Ninja Gaiden was popular and, and did well. It was strange to me that Ninja Gaiden did not appear on the Super Nintendo with an original sequel. So the trilogy appears on Super Nintendo, but I'm, I'm just a bit surprised that it didn't get the full sequel upgrade treatment, kind of in the way that, you know, Contra does and Castlevania 4 did, uh, Mega Man did certainly with Mega Man X. Uh, so it's interesting, right? It's very interesting that it didn't, it didn't have that. Uh, it'll be years until a new Ninja Gaiden is released uh, with the rebirth of the series in 2004, I believe. And then I think a few years later, before any of those games even ended up on a Nintendo platform, I remember the uh, the new kind of Ninja Gaiden rebirth being on you know, Xbox and PlayStation. Uh, and then eventually maybe it made its way to, uh, I think it made its way to GameCube. So I did uh, put a call out on Twitter a long time ago. Uh, this was a long time ago, just asking if people really appreciated this game. At Abel A. Felix uh, wrote to me on Twitter. He said, I loved Ninja Gaiden 3 as a kid, but it was so hard that I traded it for another hard game that I knew nothing about. That was Rockman 2, and I fell in love with that too. Uh, so definitely a nice trade there for sure. Viking Guitar 
uh, whose music we've heard a few times on the show. And his live performances are unbelievably epic. Uh, plenty of good stuff on YouTube. Uh, definitely check that out. Put some stuff in the show notes. He tweeted, uh, I'm in the minority here, but Ninja Gaiden 3 is probably my favorite of the original series. I also think its soundtrack is just as strong as Ninja Gaiden 2 and probably better than Ninja Gaiden 1. So I have to agree on the soundtrack, as we've heard in this episode. And uh, Viking Guitar, he definitely knows his stuff, so I'll take his word on that as well. So let me know. Uh, let me know what you think. You can tweet me at Yo Power Time, Y-O Power Time, with your thoughts on Ninja Gaiden 3. And if you're a fan of that series and you own a Nintendo Switch, please keep an eye on a new game that's coming out by Sabotage Studios. I don't know if Sabotage Studios has put anything out previously. Not familiar with their work. I'm not familiar with uh, if they've worked on other games as a different name or in different studios, but it's called The Messenger. And it looks like an homage to Ninja Gaiden in all the right ways. I'm so excited for this game. The Messenger on Nintendo Switch. The music is incredible uh, from the, the trailer that they showed. And it just kind of reeks uh, with that Shovel Knight charm. Uh, so definitely, definitely check that out. Uh, I'll link to the trailer so that you can check that out if you're interested. Uh, but we're going to keep things moving. We have a lot of content to unpack in this issue. And uh, we're going to move right into our next uh, trilogy, our next trilogy of games right after this. So up next, we've got a Dragon Warrior 3 review, which actually doubles as a history lesson for the franchise to date. So we have Erdrich's Saga, The Origin and the Aftermath, uh, the first uh, role-playing game to be an NES hit, Dragon Warrior, set the stage not for what was to follow, but for what came before. In this review, we will show key moves that will help you finish Dragon Warrior 2 and catch up with the series, and then we will go back in time to search for the root of the legend. Dragon Warrior 3, it was published by Enix Corporation, uh, leverages that MMC1 chip, which is interesting. Uh, power meter, graphics and sound 3.4, play control 3.8, challenge and interest 3.8, and theme and fun 3.6. Uh, so pretty average score here. And then flipping over the page, we learn about the history of Dragon Warrior. So not everyone was into RPGs uh, back in the day. Final Fantasy 1 got a lot of coverage in Nintendo Power. We talked about that extended week after week or month after month coverage. Uh, but with Dragon Warrior, uh, it wasn't really the case. It was released in Japan and then it took a long time to come over to the United States. Uh, so we have a history lesson here. 1989, uh, we see Dragon Warrior, the telling of the legend begins. A lone warrior sets out to follow in Erdrich's footsteps by bringing peace to Alephgard. To do so, he must slay the wicked, brutal Dragonlord. Then we have Dragon Warrior 2 uh, in 1990. Expect the unexpected as you explore new terrain. 
And that brings us to 1991, uh, where we have Dragon Warrior 3. The secrets of the legend are finally revealed. This is the third game in the series, and uh, we're learning about some mysteries that uh, were surrounding the earlier episodes. Before we get into Dragon Warrior 3, they have two pages in this issue dedicated to Dragon Warrior 2. Just some quick tips to help you finish the game. Uh, Maybe they got a lot of feedback that people didn't actually play the second one all the way through, so they want to catch people up. There's a map on the first page of the Dragon Warrior 3 review that has 57 locations. So clearly, in in these early uh, Japanese RPGs, there was still so much to explore, even though these were, were kind of simple games. So I'm not going to go too deep into this particular article, but it is very packed. It is very packed with content. Uh, props to Nintendo Power and the staff for putting together a good review, a good solid review for Dragon Warrior 3, giving it a ton of coverage. Lots of tips for progressing through the game, as well as tips for gaining experience and grinding. You really couldn't escape grinding back in the day uh, if you were getting into these RPGs. So next up, this issue brings us a review of Darkman. So if you're not familiar, let me read this paragraph. The story begins. Dr. Peyton Westlake's biochemical research on artificial skin tissue would have improved the lives of so many burn victims. Peyton, however, caught the attention of the wrong people. While working in his lab late at night, Underworld thugs stormed his house in search of a confidential memo. They didn't intend to leave witnesses. After a terrible beating, Peyton was caught in an explosion that destroyed most of his lab. He survived, but was horribly disfigured. Special treatment at a nearby hospital not only changed his appearance, but also gave him superhuman strength. The new Peyton, alias Darkman, escaped the hospital to hunt for his attackers and have his revenge. This is Darkman. It was published by Ocean. We know Ocean, uh, who published a lot of different uh, film adaptations. This is a film adaptation uh, from Universal Pictures. I forget who uh, played Darkman. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, But it was published by Ocean. Uh, 3.3 graphics and sound. Play control got a 2.2, pretty low. Theme and fun got a 2.5, also low. Challenging interest, 3.0. I I don't want to say that Ocean bought their coverage in this issue of Nintendo Power, but with such a low review, like I'm kind of curious uh, how this ended up being featured. You know, I guess just you know, continuing to have recognizable franchises and things in the magazine helped sell magazines. So maybe not. I don't want to make assumptions. Let's not make assumptions. Okay. Nintendo Power takes you through the levels of this game. We have the warehouse, Central Park, a fun house. (laughs) We have a fun house. We have Chinatown. We have the girders. And uh, it's unclear to me if the girders is the final stage. Plenty of maps. Uh, Every time there's a side-scrolling game, featured in Nintendo Power, we have all the side-scrolling maps kind of laid out to show you where uh, certain items are, certain uh, enemies, tips on how to progress. Uh, But we're going to take a break. We're going to take a break. And then when we come back, we'll wrap up our reviews uh, with the featured game.
finally, to wrap up our reviews this issue, we have Mega Man Dr. Wily's Revenge on the Game Boy, released in 1991, developed by Capcom. This is, of course, Mega Man's first handheld title on the Game Boy. On the cover of this issue, it says a Game Boy Mega Hit. I would disagree. Clever wordplay, Nintendo Power, but it just didn't do it for me. Uh, it was released after Mega Man 3 on the Nintendo Entertainment System. So there's some subtle elements from all three Mega Man titles. Uh, so you'll start, you'll start to see kind of little bits of each one. Uh, you start off by tackling four foes from Mega Man 1. We have a Lech Man, Cut Man, Ice Man, and Fire Man. And you'll eventually encounter Quick Man, Flash Man, Bubble Man, and Heat Man from Mega Man 2. So... When you start playing this game, it feels like uh, it's just kind of a rehash of Mega Man 1. Those are the only enemies that you see. And then eventually you get introduced to some of those enemies from Mega Man 2. It's classic Mega Man fare here. You run and gun, lots of platforming. It's challenging. Uh, you have weapon swapping. So, of course, every time you defeat an enemy, uh, you get a special weapon. There's no slide, so we talked about in the Mega Man 3 episode, the slide was introduced as a really cool gameplay mechanic. You do not have that here. Uh, obviously, you're gaming on a much smaller screen, so you kind of, uh, your scale and the scope of what you can see per screen is limited. It's not as spread out as a traditional NES Mega Man, so it feels different. I think the graphics are are good. I think they're pretty good considered, you know, all things considered. Uh, it looks and feels like a Mega Man title, even though it plays a little different. Uh, and, and that really brings me to gameplay. And, and my take on this gameplay is, is that it was just brutal. It's just so challenging. I played through this game uh, as a kid, and then I played through it a few years ago on 3DS through the virtual console. I played through all of the Mega Man Game Boy games on Virtual Console and 3DS. And they are just so hard. Uh, I'm really, really good. Okay, I'm going to toot my own horn here. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly good at console Mega Mans. I, I know what I'm doing. I can beat the games without fail. Uh, and for the Virtual Console, I'll be honest, I ended up spamming save states just to get through it because I found it to be so challenging. And I will say that, in my opinion, the only redeeming quality here is the music. Uh, there's a great soundtrack here utilizing the Game Boy sound chip. I really appreciated it. Uh, another thing that's unfortunate is that the sound often gets muddled by in-game sound effects. Uh, so the chip can only do so much. Uh, so a lot of times you'll, you know, the, you'll get taken out of the awesomeness of the music because of all the sound effects that are happening on screen. So if you're listening to the soundtrack on its own, you can do that on YouTube and you can do that elsewhere. Awesome. But if you're listening while playing, it can be kind of a rough experience. As you're playing, you'll also recognize a few classic tunes, which is fun. I definitely enjoyed that. And uh, Nintendo Power does do a good job introducing this game. And I'm sure back in 91, the prospect of getting Mega Man on handheld was huge. I'm sure a lot of Mega Man fans were super excited. I know uh, I was excited when I first got it. Uh, but I'm still a bit shocked to see that this game was on the cover, especially kind of given its limited review here in the magazine and uh, the weight that a game like Ninja Gaiden has. You know, I feel like Ninja Gaiden would have been the perfect candidate for the cover art for this uh, particular issue. So I'm a, I'm a little bit surprised. 
But I guess I shouldn't be too surprised. Uh, as we'll see, Mega Man Dr. Wily's Revenge ends up getting three sequels on Game Boy, I believe. Mega Man 2, 3, and 4, respectively. So as I mentioned, editorial decision by me to kind of push this game under the rug. I don't really want to spend too much time on it. Uh, I don't want to go too, too deep into the history of this game just for the sake of time. Uh, but if, if you want it, let me know. Uh, tweet me at Yo Power Time and say, hey, give me the history of Mega Man Dr. Wily's Revenge and maybe I'll jump in and do kind of a bonus episode, do a little bit of research on this game. I did receive some tweets though. Uh, so I did put a call out for tweets and I have one from my good friend, John Harrison of classicallytrained.net. Uh, and he tweeted, I remember feeling cheated with Mega Man, expecting the NES game only to find four robot masters and stages for Mega Man 1, and then four from Mega Man 2 crammed into Dr. Wily's castle minus their stages. This saddened me, realizing that Mega Man 2 for Game Boy would not be the Mega Man 2 I loved either. So great points here. Uh, I didn't really mention this. Goes through uh, the, the game in this issue, but... The four Mega Man 2 enemies that you encounter, they're really just in Dr. Wily's castle. Uh, you don't get to go through their actual stages. Uh, I don't believe it features a lot of their music. Um, so yeah, great points. And Mega Man 2 for Game Boy uh, really had nothing to do with Mega Man 2 on the NES either. Matthew Green uh, tweeted, and uh, Matthew Green was actually on the show uh, last summer. Uh, great episode. Uh, Matthew wrote, DWR. Dr. Wily's Revenge had a solid framework, but its difficulty is not balanced well. Too many bullets firing at Mega Man at once who takes too much damage from each. Just reaching a robot master feels like a victory. Uh, Matthew knows his Mega Man, uh, so I want to definitely uh, echo his uh, comments here. I definitely felt that that difficulty was such a crutch. Uh, really held me back from enjoying this game. So these sentiments from both John and Matthew echo my feelings. I want to thank you guys for sending your thoughts. Uh, and if you are listening, um, definitely check out the episodes with John and Matthew from last summer. I'll put links in the show notes so that you can check those out. Uh, and they have their own content that you can enjoy as well. So let me know what you think. Let me know what you think about Mega Man Dr. Wily's Revenge. If you loved it, if you hated it, tweet me at Yo Power Time. Email me tom at powertimepodcast.com. I respond to every email. If you love the Game Boy Mega Man titles, I want to know. If you found them challenging and you hated them like me, I want to know. Uh, definitely reach out. There are a few other Game Boy games uh, featured here. Final Fantasy Legend 2, Days of Thunder, Mysterium, Ninja Boy, and Go Go Tank. Uh, but let's move on. Let's move on to our next section of the show. And that section is Now Playing.
So for now playing, uh, we don't have too much to cover here. Now playing is really just a quick snapshot of all the games that didn't make the cut for full reviews. In this issue, we have a couple of duds. Uh, we have Super Jeopardy, Game Tech's fourth NES adaptation of Jeopardy. And I had to give myself kind of a head shake there. Four adaptations of Jeopardy. Uh, I definitely remember a couple of Wheel of Fortunes. I don't remember that many Jeopardies though. Uh, so I'm sure it wasn't worth a full review. Uh, we have Triumph which is like a puzzle strategy game, it seems. Uh, Captain Planet from Mindscape. We have Where's Waldo, which I do have distinct memories renting. I was a huge fan of the Where's Waldo books, and I remember renting this after playing it at my friend Kevin's house. Uh, Where's Waldo was an interesting game uh, for sure, and oh man, I do have distinct memories playing this one. Rainbow Island and Sesame Street 1, 2, 3. Uh, they are listed here with reviews, but not really featured at all. So we're going to move into previews and previews for this particular issue kind of dominated by this mega Super Nintendo Entertainment System preview, which highlights three titles that will be released very, very soon. The first one is a heavy hitter. We have Super Mario World. This preview showcases more than we've seen in the past. So we talked about Mario World in past episodes and issues, uh, but this preview is above and beyond more than what we've seen. So just seeing that red Super Nintendo Entertainment System logo was really, really exciting for the first time. Super NES Preview, the next generation is coming. We see the colorful Super Mario World logo here as well. Uh, lots of different colors incorporated into that logo. There's an illustration uh, to the left of it with all of the uh, Koopa Kids, Mario with the cape. We have Luigi with the cape in the background. Mario is riding Yoshi. Uh, we have Kamek, uh, we have Bowser in the background. This is just cool, right? Like we're being exposed to a whole new world of Mario, much like when Super Mario 3 was revealed and he had the raccoon tail and he was flying. Uh, so this is exciting. We have a little badge here that says Nintendo 4 megabits battery backup action. I don't even know what that means. There's no context of what that means, but hey, we're using words like megabits. We have the number four battery backup action. Very, very cool. Uh, this sweet illustration on the opposite page has a globe with all the different worlds and islands. So we're, we're showcasing that there's these various environments that this game will feature, much like Mega Man 3. Uh, but we're going to span an entire world, an entire globe. There's also a picture of the Super Nintendo controller here. So we get a glimpse of the super sensitive control. So we have the four face buttons and we have the shoulder buttons clearly visible here, uh, which is awesome. Uh, we also have, okay, so save the day. The battery backup lets you save stages and start where you left off. Don't start from scratch every time. You can avoid endless repetition of early stages by saving your progress and restarting at points later in the game. And for anyone that has played through Super Mario World, you know how, how important that is to kind of have that save capability. Um, so much fun. Uh, the Super NES makes Super Mario World super duper. That is an actual line in this magazine that I just read. I'm going to read it again. The Super NES makes Super Mario World super duper. Love that. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Super Mario. Mario becomes a Kate wonder when he latches on to floating feathers. He may not be faster than a speeding bullet, but he sure can fly. There's a picture here of Mario holding that cape uh, when, it, when it gets kind of round, it catches air, 
you can glide. I just, I love it. Uh, we also have all bosses have their own personalities. Figure out what makes them tick. We have some pictures here of the actual bosses, the Koopa kids, uh, a couple of the other enemies and foes. And it says that each of them uh, will require a unique technique to take them down, which is pretty cool. Secret scenes like you've never seen is another section here. And we see pictures of some of the bonus rounds and bonus worlds in Super Mario World. So there was those little tubes where you would kind of jump up uh, layer by layer and there was three blocks in each layer. And if you hit the blocks in a certain order, you would get green circles. And after you got three green circles, if you hit it in the right order, you would get a one-up. If not, you would get kind of a, a bonk sound and you would not get one. You would try again at the next uh, layer. So that was always fun. They show a picture of that. They show a picture of the, uh, I don't even know what you would call it. It's kind of like a carousel of sliding cards with the star, the uh, magic flower, and the mushroom. And if you hit those and matched up a row, um, so there was uh, nine of those. And if you uh, hit those and matched up a row, you would get a one-up. And if you managed to match all of them, you would get like a ton of one-ups. Um, so that was fun too. Uh, we also have revolving panels. Um, so as you'll recall, one of the cool things about the graphics in the NES is that you can kind of have this dimension and you're able to see the dimensional graphics in the uh, the castles and the fortresses where you can kind of crawl on those fences, those grates. And then once you get to a specific door, you can revolve and be on the opposite side. Uh, they show a cool picture of what that looks like. Some of the transparency effects of the ghost houses is shown here in some screenshots as well. We also get a good introduction to Mario's new pal, Yoshi. The programmers of Super Mario World have hatched a new friend for Mario, and he's the hungriest little dino you've ever seen. Luckily for Mario, he has a fondness for enemies. Uh, we see Yoshi. We see him sticking out his tongue. We see him eating uh, a Koopa, which is awesome. Uh, so this is cool. We're getting so much information about Mario World. We're getting so many screenshots. Uh, this is the opportune time to get super pumped and get the Nintendo audience super pumped and excited for Nintendo releasing the Super NES because it's going to be out soon. Uh, and they want a strong launch uh, for this next generation of gaming. Turning the page, we have uh, Gradius, uh, and it's Gradius 3. Gets an awesome preview showcasing some really impressive graphics, really awesome uh, gameplay elements. We have stage one, two, and three. Uh, it looks it looks awesome. Uh, it looks like arcade action uh, for sure. Four megabits of shooting. Uh, so this whole four megabits thing is pretty uh, it's pretty funny to me. Turning the page, we have stage four, stage five, and uh, just some huge, huge bosses, uh, huge sprites being showcased in the screenshots here. And then after that, we have Act Razor getting a preview as well, showcasing the creation mode and the action mode. So they're kind of explaining some of the gameplay elements here. Uh, of course, Act Razor, uh, I'll just read this. An epic adventure begins. This fall, the creators of the Dragon Warrior series unveil an adventure so magnificent that only the Super NES could present it. 
An ancient land has been invaded by mythical monsters. It is your duty to descend upon the land, cast away the creatures in action-packed style, and teach the inhabitants to fend for themselves. Virtually every Super NES special effect is used to its fullest, and this epic and cinematic soundtrack will blow you away. And that's not all for the Super Nintendo, because later in Packwatch, there's a preview for Zelda 3, which we know now as Link to the Past. It mentions here that Nintendo is being extremely secretive, and that the game should be released in winter 1991. They mentioned the overhead view is coming back, reminiscent to the original Zelda, which should make those classic fans excited, especially the people who didn't like uh, Link, Zelda 2. And the two screenshots here look amazing. Uh, so people, of course, are getting excited for Zelda. The other highlighted games are Castlevania 4 and Super Ghouls and Ghosts, which should resonate with fans of those franchises. I'm surprised that they don't mention the Castlevania 4 soundtrack here in this blurb because that soundtrack is so darn good. I've been listening to that so much lately. A couple other games from Packwatch. These are for the Nintendo Entertainment System. We have BioForce Ape from Seta. There's a weird-looking game where you control a genetically altered super chimpanzee. Uh, sounds a little like Rampage. We have Nightshade by Konami. Uh, fun quote here. We're anxious to see how it stacks up against Lucasfilm Games' superhero title, Defenders of Dinatron City. Uh, so Nightshade and Defenders of Dinatron City, two titles to watch. Kickmaster by Tato, who published Power Blade. We have uh, some notes here from Summer CES. Lots of Battletoads excitement. Uh, for Battletoads uh, as a franchise. Of course, we knew that they would be returning with more games. Batman Return of the Joker is mentioned here from uh, Sunsoft, I believe. Uh, Super Nintendo and Game Boy are also highlighted. We have over 50 new Game Boy games that were on display at CES, and that's pretty wild, 50 games. There's a photo here as well of Howard Phillips at his Lucasfilm booth. Howard Phillips, of course, recently left uh, Nintendo Power, uh, and Nintendo uh, to join Lucasfilm. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, Overlord, Die Hard, uh, Barbie, Adam's Family, Tiny Toons. There's a lot of games here. Uh, so many games here that are listed. So pretty exciting, uh, CES. And um, yeah, let's keep things moving with our next section. That's so retro. So because Howard Phillips left Nintendo Power, there's no Howard and Nestor comic anymore. We have Nestor's Adventure. And uh, we have the second entry. This is the second one. And uh, Nestor has to help his mom find her car keys. And he says, and I quote, she'd lose her head if it wasn't fastened on. That's not very nice. That's not a nice thing to say about your mother, Nestor. Uh, but very Nestor-ish, of course, uh, with that comment. The comic then shares some random tips from Robin Hood, which we covered in the last episode way, way back, uh, as Nestor helps look for those keys. Not the same charm here as Howard and Esther, I will say, uh, but it's certainly better than last issue's comic, which was not uh, enjoyable or entertaining at all. And as always, in That's So Retro, we have to give tribute to the men and the women who contributed to Nintendo Power and players everywhere as official gameplay counselors. So I say men and women, because this month, we finally have two women featured in this section, the gameplay counselor profiles, it's usually just a sea of dudes, uh, so I'm excited to feature Shelly Coilette, uh, who became a GPC March of 1990. Her hobbies include golf and video games. Best accomplishment, finished Air Fortress in one hour. 
pretty great. Favorite game is Destiny of an Empire. Uh, Jane Hacker became a GPC March of 1990. Her hobbies include music, karate, and skiing. Best accomplishment, beat Strider in 45 minutes. Pretty awesome. Uh, and her favorite game is Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. So Shelly and Jane, we give you the Nintendo Power Time salute. So also retro, uh, we've got the infamous World of Nintendo section that showcases all the other licensed Nintendo products that you can get your hands on. This issue showcases Nintendo adventure books, uh, which were in fact, choose your own adventure style books. I remember having these. Uh, These were novels. They were published by Archway Paperbacks. Says here that the first eight will feature Mario and the Mushroom Kingdom, and the following books will be focused on Zelda and Link. I didn't have any of the Zelda and Link choose your own adventure books, but I definitely had some of the Mario ones, and they were very, very enjoyable. I remember a few were set in the world of Super Mario World. Um, We actually have a couple of mysterious titles here that I'm just learning about for the first time. There are two IBM slash Apple slash Commodore compatible computer games here. I've never seen these before. Uh, I've never seen these, but I am so in love with how retro and how ridiculous these are. So the first is Super Mario Brothers and Friends Electronic Crayons, uh, which allows you to color in 30 different drawings. You can mix and match up to 256 shades of colors, uh, but there's 30 different pictures that you can color, fill in. Uh, It feels like a Nintendo game that I actually learned about on New Game Plus, uh, which is that podcast that I mentioned I edit weekly. They actually played a game one week uh, called Color a Dinosaur, uh, which is awfully good (laughs) or awfully terrible or terribly great. I don't know. Same concept, uh, color in a picture. Uh, The other program here is Super Mario Brothers Print World, which lets you design and print different cards banners, signs, and other things using your home computer and home printer. Very much like Print Shop, if you remember having that, uh, which I, I, I actually looked up Print Shop and it seems like they still actually license out uh, software. So people somewhere still use Print Shop, which is nuts. Uh, but the line here is now you're printing with power, which I love uh, as well. And the final product here is Game Sounds from Lightwave Technologies, which is Probably the most 90s thing that I've said on this episode, game sounds from Lightwave Technologies. It's a wireless transmitter and receiver that lets you listen to your NES audio through headphones. Looks very, very bulky. Looks very old school, very 90s. Uh, I'm sure those waves uh, didn't do too too much good for your brain, uh, but who knows. And up next, uh, we're going to transition into our next section of the show, Are We Having Fun Yet?, This is an opportunity for me to just pull out any of the odds and ends, things that didn't really fit in throughout the issue, and just showcase some fun stuff that was happening in this volume. Typically, every Nintendo Power issue has a contest, and this month is no different, but this contest is pretty unique. It is a Game Boy Ultimate Design Contest. It's pretty awesome. There's actually a template here for the front of a Game Boy on the submission slip where you literally had to design your own Game Boy faceplate. Uh, on the paper. Three winners uh, ended up getting a custom Game Boy. So I think they ended up winning their actual design. They would recreate the actual design that they designed. Uh, It turns out that that is not the only contest in this issue because the player's poll 
contest has one righteous prize. So Players Poll was really Nintendo's opportunity to survey their audience. You would have to fill out a card and kind of answer a bunch of questions. But the grand prize in volume 27 is Bill and Ted's telephone booth. So, oh my gosh, I don't know how Nintendo was able to acquire Bill and Ted's telephone booth to even give it away. I'm not even sure if uh, if it was the actual phone booth. It says that it is. It says one lucky winner will have Bill and Ted's actual phone booth with a working telephone installed at home. Uh, plus, the winner's phone bills will be paid by Nintendo Power for an entire year. It's a most excellent prize, dudes. Uh, imagine having Bill and Ted's time-traveling telephone booth in your very own room and having Nintendo Power foot the bills. I love it. I love everything about what I'm looking at right now. I love it. I can't even I can't even uh, get words out. And uh, Bill and Ted is coming back. Uh, so they announced the new Bill and Ted movie is in production. So this is timely. Uh, speaking of righteous and excellent movies, the celebrity profile here is Macaulay Culkin of uh, Home Alone. Uh, so some fun snippets from the profile here. Macaulay was then a fifth grader uh, when doing this interview, played games for two hours a day and has been playing since he was three years old. Uh, talks a bit about his skills at an event in Disneyland. Apparently, he uh, was a featured celebrity player at a Nintendo event in Disneyland, which is cool. And then finally, uh, we're going to cover the top 10 rated games on the Game Boy and the NES, uh, as chosen from a combination of fans, a combination of critics, uh, the gameplay counselors, and a combination of retailers. So we're going to start to wrap up today's episode. As always, we'll look at the top 10 games. Game Boy's top 10. We have Super Mario Land at number one. TMNT, Follow the Foot Clan at number two. Final Fantasy Legend at number three. Dr. Mario at number four. Tetris at number five. F1 Race, Operation C, Castlevania the Adventure. Mega Man in Dr. Wily's Revenge at number nine. Uh, not climbing too high up the charts. And then we have Batman at number 10. The NES top 10, uh, as shown from their top 30. So I usually cover the top 10. There's 30 listed here. Super Mario Brothers 3, still on top. We have TMNT 2, the arcade game at number two. Mega Man 3 at number three. Final Fantasy, still in the charts at number four. We have Dragon Warrior 2 at number five. Tetris, uh, Tetris held on for a long time. Tetris at number six. Crystallis at number seven. The Simpsons. Bart vs. the Space Mutants at number eight. Star Tropics uh, still in the top 10 at number nine. And Dr. Mario at number 10. Uh, so pretty, pretty awesome here. Uh, and then we see kind of a sneak preview for the next issue. So coming next month, we have Super NES game features, a great lineup of Super NES titles ready and waiting for the system's arrival. We'll learn more about Mario World, Castlevania 4, Final Fight in SimCity, uh, Star Wars, the NES version, Smash TV, and Final Fantasy Adventure. With play that is similar to The Legend of Zelda for NES, this epic Game Boy Adventure requires dexterity. As you explore many worlds, you must wield your sword with finesse and escape enemy fire. Excited to talk about that game. Uh, featured music in this game, I really just uh, covered... Uh, music from the actual games themselves. I didn't feature any artists uh, putting out uh, artistic renditions of Ninja Gaiden 3 
or Mega Man, Dr. Wily's Revenge. Uh, I apologize for that. I will get back to kind of curating some really great original music renditions of this music uh, soon. Uh, But here we just covered some of the soundtracks, but they're great soundtracks. uh, So I was happy to feature those. And the intro and outro to Power Time is by Azure Flux. And that is used with permission. Uh, Thank you so much for that. Link in the show notes if you want to support Azure Flux. So that's it. Uh, That's the end of the episode. We've reached the end of the line. This was a content-packed issue, content-packed episode. I am so happy to be back behind the mic. I hope that you're happy to be listening. I have a few more episodes coming up uh, to round out 1991. We're going to finish out 1991 strong. Uh, I want to give a shout out uh, again to anybody who reached out, anybody who let me know, hey, when's the podcast coming back, asking questions, letting me know that you enjoyed it. I really, really appreciate it. Your feedback really helped me jump back into it and continue with it. I will say that, you know, even though I took a break and, uh, publishing might slow down and I might take a break in the future. Uh, I am so passionate about Nintendo and Nintendo Power. Power Time Podcast will never go away. Uh, So as long as I am alive and kicking and have a voice and have access to a computer and a microphone, I will always be producing uh, Nintendo Power content to continue through this history, uh, to continue on this journey. I hope that you will come with me, uh, of course. If you enjoyed this episode, and I hope that you did, the best way that you can support me uh, and the best way that you can kind of uh, give me encouragement to keep to keep things going and to help me find new listeners is to just leave a quick review on uh, Apple Podcasts or leave a quick review anywhere, uh, anywhere that you listen to podcasts where you can do that. Uh, make it honest. It doesn't have to be five stars, but a quick and honest review really helps me uh, and continues to uh, grow and support the show. If you're looking for an even easier way to support, you can just share the show with a friend. So if you have a friend or a family member that digs Nintendo, uh, share a show. I've heard from a lot of people going through the backlog and even though they're old episodes, really enjoying a lot of the old stuff too. Um, So that would be awesome. You can interact with me and the PowerTime community through Twitter. You can tweet me at YoPowerTime. Be sure to uh, follow up. Um, I had a Discord channel, a uh, Discord server. Discord is where you can chat with me and other listeners. I'm actually going to be shutting that down. Um, also have a private Facebook group that I'm going to be shutting down to. Uh, and part of that, and I'll talk about this in a future episode, but part of that is really just to focus on the episodes and focus on the content uh, and, and really not have any uh, extra stuff at the moment. Maybe I'll bring that stuff back in the future. Uh, but uh, yeah. Uh, definitely follow me on Twitter at Yo Power Time and uh, look out for the next episode, which should be coming soon. Now that I'm back in it, uh, things are settling down. I have more time on my hands. I still have baby monitors to the left of me, baby monitors to the right, but I have a cup of coffee and a microphone and I'm, I'm excited to be back. Um, so that's going to wrap up today's episode. Thank you so much. Thank you as always for your time and attention. Stay tuned for the next one. And as always, play hard, score high, and be excellent to each other.